one show a week where we cover, kind of cover the previous games. We pick the future games and we talk a little bit about both ends of the spectrum. We're going to try to do this every Wednesday. I'm on the road, so we were doing it this week on Thursday. Uh, But again, we're going to cut it down to about one week. It probably fits your schedule a little better too, AT, doesn't it? Well, definitely parallels my attention span with the fact that we've changed the format of the show uh, about 18 times in the last uh, two weeks. That's true. But let's face it, RD, I think everybody that knows us knows that we are not famous for our attention spans or our willpower. No, Um, not at all. So we're going to try to offset those deficiencies with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of loud talking, um, <laughs> which is we're in line with uh, with who we are. So I, I like true. to change. It is true. Uh, so game week three, we didn't do obviously our Tuesday Wednesday picks, which covered a couple games. Yeah. Uh, but one of the bigger underlying stories, at was that for the high point Georgetown game, outside of the actual score itself, Kevin Warren, the head coach at Georgetown, was not on the sidelines in the game. That is confirmed. Um, And it probably speaks to the score of the game if your head coach is not on the sidelines. Um, No, I mean, there's there's no question. And and not to take anything away from High Point, let's face it, you know, they beat uh, a a very, very good team. And while the Georgetown program has struggled struggled record-wise, uh, I don't think it would surprise anyone if, uh, you know, they bounce back and end up having, you know, uh, a good year and are a different team at the end of the year going into the Big East playoffs and capable of earning, you know, uh, a bid to the tournament. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think when you consider that this is Kevin Warren's team and <laughs> he's the lead dog <laughs> and he's not at the game, um, uh, you know, it's definitely going to change the dynamics for that group of players on game day. Uh, well, you know, that's just not having your 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 leader. In addition, you take into consideration that you're losing, you know, one of the best uh, one of the best minds the sport has, and his ability to make in game adjustments, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They just they just get hurt in so many ways with having. Kevin not on the sidelines. I'm not saying, you know, it would have made up a six goal difference and they would have won the game. Um, it might have, but, but um, you know, it, it definitely hurt this team for sure, as it would hurt any team, let's face it, without their head coach. So I reached out to Kevin Warren uh, just because I felt like, hey, look, if he's not on the sidelines, let's reach out to him. And in Kevin Warren, Coach Warren's fashion, he responded with, we had a tough loss to start the season versus a very good high point team. We're excited to work on the things we need to fix and prepare for a great Notre Dame team this Saturday out in Texas. Go Hoyas. <laughs> I, I love that coach talk. Kevin, we're going to give you an award for best coach talk of the week. Yes. You sick kid. Uh, good for him. Dude. Good for him bouncing back with that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But uh, AT, we got to do what's most important on this is our competitiveness. And then we had our guest Garth Apelt and we had our guest Tim McKinney yes. and talk to us about our pick review. How did it go down? 
Uh, right. So we went week two last week and we went through all of the games that Lax Vegas lines put out for us. Our friends over there are doing a, an awesome job. Uh, and I will say that they are pretty much right online. I mean, they're, they, they've had some unbelievable calls. They were off on a couple games, you know, but for the most part, they're really keeping, uh, keeping it pretty spot on. So, um, with that said, we went and we picked all of the games. We picked the out, uh, the winner versus the line. And then obviously the over under. So there were two wins in each of the 17 games that we picked when it's all said and done, our guest Garth, a Pelt, Virginia alum ended up with 20 wins, 14 losses. Uh, a close second was the Billerica Blitzkrieg, Ryan yes. Danahee, with 18 yes. wins and uh, 16 or 18 wins and 14 losses. Which comes Maybe into my math play, a little which, screwed up. Which comes into play a little later, but you'll get to that soon. Go ahead. Keep going. Right. Right, 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 um, And uh, Timmy McGinney and I each with 16 wins and 16 losses. So I'm sorry, the math doesn't add up, which doesn't, again, shock our audience at all. Garth was actually 20 wins, 12 losses. Wow. You were 18 wins, 14 losses. And Timmy McGinney and I were each at 16 and 16, which is cemented at rock bottom. Um, <laughs> that was just week two. When we factor in week one, and our friendly guests were not involved in that, I did take week one. There were limited games, five games that we covered that week. Uh, I had eight wins and two losses. You had six wins and four losses. So oddly enough, after two weeks, yes. cumulatively, you and I are tied in our head-to-head -head battle with 24 wins and 18 losses. 60% we are in picking correctly. That's Going good. into week three, already. That's pretty good. That's really good. Which transitions us into your and I's coach and player of the week. AT, talk to me about your coach of the week. Well, there were a lot of guys that were in the running for this award. I think more coaches in the running for this award for me than in most weeks. Um, you know, but I got to go back to, well, to my boy down in Charlottesville, going up to Baltimore on Curly Field, knocking off the Loyola Greyhounds, which many people has a, have as a preseason Final Four pick, featuring National Player of the Year and Tourton candidate Patrick Spencer and knocking them off. Right, so I'm going coach of the week, Lars Tiffany from the University of Virginia. I love it. One and zero in his career, undefeated as the Cavaliers coach, and Lars undefeated Tiffany. in in the ACC, uh, which is big. Um, and uh, so he's as an ACC coach, he's one and zero lifetime. Uh, so that's big oh. against against a powerhouse team like Loyola, which also, by the way, was another. Under um, huge underrated um, highlight of the weekend was having the Loyola Virginia game streamed live on Twitter, so you could actually see it from your timeline, which was huge. So a lot of the guys and coming back from Marquette uh, in the scrimmage of Penn, Penn versus Marquette, uh, we all watched the game from our Twitter feeds, which was really cool. So uh, good to see you give Lars Tiffany your coach of the week, my coach of the week. And again, I, I do feel like we should mention the other coaches that should deserve the award, but might not have gotten it. Brian Fisher was up there. We talked off air about how well he did beating Villanova in his first year. 
Uh, yeah, or excuse me, first game of the year, and his I think believe third season, huge ranked win, first ranked ranked win. Uh, so that was deserving, but did not get it. Uh, and then the other one was Keegan Wilkinson. We talked about beating Colgate, uh, a tough battle. Yeah. First game uh, in 2017, gets himself a W. So that was another one that we thought of. Uh, but for me, I think that this was probably one of the most lopsided and awkward wins that we didn't pick at all. In fact, we're, he was the underdog going into this. But Richmond beating Fairfield 15-3 yeah. in Coach Shimadi's 2017 game opener. Uh, he obviously had his team prepared. And so for that reason, I'm giving Dan Shimadi my coach of the week. Really, really impressive start to the season for Richmond, which obviously moved them up four spots in the top 20 to number 16, which is deserving. And I think that Fairfield in general, as many people have already stated, is going to be a great team this year. So for them to come out that strong is very impressive. AT, tell me about your player of the week. Uh, Player of the week, i got to stay in the same program, University of Virginia, no, I'm not picking Michael Krause, although I wanted to as a New Canaan High School freshman went in and put up five points against Loyola in his debut. It's a total stud. Um, I'm going to the other end of the field, and I'm going with Tanner Scales, who is marking Pat Spencer in this game. On our previous podcast, I had mentioned that I thought Loyola was going to win that game. And I thought Patrick Spencer was going to be good for eight points. Yes, I said eight points. Again, I hit the nail right on the side. And the credit goes to Tanner Scales covering Patrick Spencer, holding him to 0 and 2. Yes, just two assists. And part of the credit obviously goes to LT with the defensive scheme to slow down Patrick Spencer. But I didn't think anybody would be capable of holding him under Four points. I think I think he's good for four points in every game that he walks out in. Uh, and so it blows me away to see the job that Tanner Scales did. And he more is more than worthy of my In Your Face Player of the Week award. Tanner Scales, University of Virginia defenseman. I love it. Um, my pick, and I could have picked from a lot of different performances this past weekend. Mine's a little different. Uh, and it comes from a school in Manhattan College. In a triple OT yes. victory, Parker Giratana hits home the winner yep. to open up the season 1-0 and from Manhattan College. Very, very impressive. He's been very great, very good uh, in his first year. And now it seems to think after a three-goal, two-assist performance in his first game of the year, he's going to be – or excuse me, second game of the year, he's going to be just as good in year two in his campaign. Um, so I'm going Parker Giarrettana as my player of the week to knock one home after three OTs. Uh, very, very impressive and great things to come from Drew, Hel- Drew Kelleher's squad um, up in New York. So that is the first segment. We're going to take a quick break, give a shout out to our sponsors, Sisu Mouthpiece, uh, and then we'll be back with the games this week and we're going to pick them and we're going to talk a little bit about each team on the rundown. So maximize your comfort. We'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen 
Cease. Talk. Breathe. Drink. Back. We're going to now pick our games. Lax Vegas Lions came out with their lines last night, I believe. Um, and it covers Saturday and Sunday's game. And I think there's only one game on Sunday. I'm looking at it right now. There's only one game. Brown, Quinnipiac in the top. Brown, Q-Pack. That's Brown right. Brown, Q-Pack. That's a yearly start to the season for Brown, it seems like, over the last few years. Um, but we'll start with the top of the list, which is number eight Yale going against Villanova. They are ranked. It doesn't have it in the lines. But Villanova, oh, no, did they get knocked out of the top 20? I'm sure they did, actually. Uh, but Yale is Yale's in, so that keeps this game relevant. That keeps this game relevant. So number eight, Yale favored by four goals against Villanova in PA. Uh, the over/under here is twenty-one and a half. At what are your initial thoughts here? Well, my initial thoughts are that Villanova would have been one and zero coming into this game, but credit Fish and his group at Mammoth to knock them off. And you know, this game, I think. Uh, has the potential. I looked at this game preseason. I was thinking this was going to be a really good game simply because I think Villanova has the edge at the face-off X with Paul Modesto. Um, I think that they're both questionable in the goal. I know that based, basically for difference in the Monmouth game for Villanova, Monmouth got a bunch of saves and Villanova did not. Uh, but I think that the loss to Monmouth is going to help Villanova in this game, and it may may make the players at Yale a little bit overconfident. Although Andy Shea, being again the best coach in the Ivy League or close to it, um, you know, I think he I think he probably is. I think you can say that based on his body of work at this point. He's going to make sure that those thoughts are not in the heads of his players going into this game. So I think we're going to see a much better performance out of Villanova. I think they're going to be able to score goals. I think Yale's going to give up more goals than they have traditionally in the past. But I think that their offense is going to score more goals than they traditionally have in the past. I think Villanova can score goals. Villanova's going to win most of the faceoffs. But I think when it's all said and done, I think that Yale is going to cover four goals. And I like a higher scoring game here. Um, so I got Yale and the over in this game. See, I think this comes down to... Like you said, Paul Modesto at the face-off X is going to control what you would think control, although Monmouth, uh, the gentleman from Monmouth, crushed it at the face-off X against Paul Modesto um, and crew. I think there was just more than him. Uh, I think the storyline right. is Ben Reeves versus Jake Vercaro, too. Uh, like you said, you think that Yale's going to score more goals in, than they have in the past. I, I agree with you. Uh, you've got a year older Ben Reeves. You've got a supporting cast around him that's just as good as well. Uh, you've got Villanova. I, 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 21 and a half seems very, very low. But again, the Villanova Monmouth score was, you know, 22 goals. So I'm going to have the over in this. I think it might be a little bit of a run and gun because in order for Yale to make up the difference for what we think is going to be the factor at the faceoff facts, they're going to have to run and gun, get a lot of possessions and put a lot of shots on cage. Uh, so in terms of the spread, does Villanova cover this? Do they come back and actually have a decent performance uh, after a very, very tough first game loss against Monmouth? I'm going to do it. I'm going to call Villanova they're at home. They're going to cover four. They're not going to win this game. Uh, but I've got the over as well, so we're slightly different. Next game, number 20, Marquette, goes to Florida in Jacksonville, plays Jacksonville. The line again is four goals. 
Jacksonville with a very, very strong performance in their first game of the year and Galloway's first game, uh, 12 or 12 13 game against Lehigh last weekend. Uh, the over under here is 21 goals, which I feel like is very low for this game. But go ahead, AT, what do you think? Well, let's face it. Any away game for Marquette is actually a home game. So the fact that they are traveling to Florida, I think, only helps them. There's no question that Jacksonville is a better team. Clearly, you can see the Galloway CP are making their, uh, you know, making their will felt on this program, and the guys are are buying into that. You know, I I did not think that they would play Lehigh as tough as they did, and it was a tough game all the way to the end. So Jacksonville is better, but do I think that they are going to put a scare into Marquette? No, I, I don't think they're going to be able to score many goals against Marquette, unfortunately. I think that um, you know Joe Amplow and his staff have proven that they put together a great defensive plan, and I don't think that this game is going to be any different, even though Jacksonville did explode for more goals than they usually have last week. Um, so I'm going to take Marquette. And I'm going to take the under because I think Marquette themselves don't score a lot of goals. I can see like a, a 10 to 3 type game for Marquette, holding them down, a low scoring game, 21 goals, maybe low in certain games, but I don't think it's low in this game. So I like Marquette in the under. I'm going to go on a limb here. And man, the kid McNamara is really, really good for Marquette. Jacksonville seems to want to put a lot of shots on, on net. I'm going to go with the over on this game just simply because I feel like either it's a backdoor cover on the over-under. Where uh, Ryan, I'm documenting up. these. Can you stop going with like the over-the-under first because yeah. it screws up the way that I type? <laughs> okay, which team? Can you do that and then we'll, and then we'll do uh, the I'm segue gonna... into the over-under. Okay? <laughs> well, I'm thinking We're of it because I, I, I piggyback on what you mentioned at the end and I go backwards. Uh, but I can try to do that for you. But I'm still, I'm still having a hard time here thinking that, look, I, 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 is Marquette going to beat Jacksonville by four goals? No. Are they going to win straight up? Yes. I think that if Jacksonville can continue to keep it close all the way through, I've got it. So I'm going to take Jacksonville plus four. I'm going to take the over. Yep. I think it will end up being a 22, 23 point game, um, which puts us under that's a similar score, 12, 13, 13, 11, something like that. Um, but uh, I've got Marquette in their first game of the season. By the way, on that previous game, Yale and all the Ivy League teams, this is their first week they're able to play a game. Uh, so the Ivy League starts off their year now as opposed to earlier. But Marquette is on a similar schedule. Uh, they just decided to start their season later. So you've got Marquette's first game as well. So we haven't really seen much out of them. But number 11, Penn State at home versus Coach Tambroni's formal team in Cornell, favored by three and a half points. 21 is the over-under. AT, what do you think? This is a tough game. I saw Terry Foy tweeted out that he thought this line was a little low. Uh, and I didn't know whether he meant that three and a half was too few goals to give Penn State, who's obviously proven that they can put up the goals this season, or whether he thought that 21 was low for the over-under. Um, I, I look at this, and I see a Cornell team that I, I think is going to be significantly improved this year. Now, they're still young. They're going to be playing a lot of freshmen. They got a great freshman class, but I think freshmen and sophomores take a little bit to mature. And I think Jeff Tambroni 
is I, I think I think this Penn State team is for real. I think they're again, Arcieri. I think is going to. I think he's going to win all the faceoffs, uh, and I think that they're going to put up goals. I think Cornell is going to struggle in this game. Again, I think Cornell is going to be a significantly proved team in the second half of the year, but I don't see them traveling to Penn State and covering three and a half goals. Um, so I've got Penn State and I've got the over. I just see a lot of goals being scored. I think Cornell is going to be able to score goals. I don't think that they're going to be able to hold Penn State down. You know, I can see something like 15 to nine Penn State, um, you know, dominating the faceoffs and and exposing the youth of Cornell in this game. So I got Penn State in the over. Well, Mac, uh, what's his name? Max uh, Maximilian um, is not there anymore for Cornell. He's gone. Yes, he's not there anymore. Yep. And that's going to put – Maximilian, he's a, isn't he at Georgetown, I think, isn't put, he? He's got to wait a year, doesn't he? Or he doesn't have to wait. Yeah, he, he plays in 2018. Maybe he's grad school. He could be – He's going to play it. in 2018, not 2017. So he's not he's not there yet. It doesn't help Coach Warren quite yet. But I have. A I very think we strong... should have an alumni game for. I think we should have an alumni game for everybody that took over five and a half years to graduate from college. <laughs> um, and, and I and I could coach one of the teams, considering it took me about seven years to get through. Well, college. then you'd have the entire uh, 06 Duke team with you. They took eight years. I to would. Graduate. You know, <laughs> they'd be pretty good team. I'd draft them all, and and I would draft some of those guys that graduated from Harvard last year. Ah, uh, yes, another group. Yes, that is another, another group. group. Is, they're very good players yeah. too. Uh, but um, <laughs> True. Okay. Penn State, I do agree with you, is going to be good, and these freshmen are coming in really, really making a huge impact right away. It'll be interesting to see how Colby Neese does in the goal this game as opposed to uh, starting off pretty strong in the Robert Morris game, obviously 62% last weekend. Uh, He's facing a different team. But we did say that Robert Morris or Penn State, both of us, I believe, said that uh, Penn State was going to cover against Robert Morris, and they did not. Um, And so going into this, I do think it's a little different of a situation. Cornell cannot get No, I picked Robert Morris in that game, Ryan. I picked Robert Morris. Remember, that fueled an 8-2 week versus your 6-4 week. That was week one. So you made that mistake. I didn't make that mistake. (laughs) Don't don't blend me into it. Sorry, I tried to. I just made an assumption, which I always do. Uh, very sleazy. That was very sleazy. Cornell just I don't just don't see them getting the ball to their offense. They've got some players on there. I'm really interested to see how Jeff T works within their offense this year. That kid is a beast. Uh, he's from Canada. Um, small, skinny guy. Played at U19 uh, Canada games. Uh, but man, sounds talk like about Timmy a kid. Goldstein. Small and skinny. He, I tell you, he could put the ball in the goal like Timmy Goldstein could. Um, and we'll we'll find out over the next. Four years, whether or not he can do it consistently, but you got to get him the ball. And I think our series is going to have a great day at the faceoff X. I got Penn State covering this uh, three and a half, and I have the over as well. Uh, I think that Penn State's going to yep. put up a lot of goals. I think Mac O'Keefe's going to continue his run. Um, and you've got three freshmen leading the way with a massive sophomore in Grant Amet that's going to quarterback the entire offense for Penn State. So that's what I have too. Number 13, going to Mount St. Mary's, favored by six goals. Uh, 18 and a half is the over-under. Very defensive team in Towson and a team that can't really score that many goals in Mount St. Mary's. What do you got here, A.T.? I would love nothing more than to pick T-Mac and meet in this game. But I just think that Mount St. Mary's is going to struggle against Towson. Towson loses, you know, their defense, their goalie, but Nads just is one of the best defensive coaches in the country. And Towson, that's, 
you know, that's that's who they are. They're a defensive team first, but yet they still have the ability to score goals offensively. I think they're going to win the faceoffs. Uh, I just don't see how Mount St. Mary's can score enough goals to keep it close. I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game because I don't think Towson scores that many goals. But I think that they're going to really do a good job of holding Mount St. Mary's down. Again, I can see like a 13-3 to game. So I'm going to take Towson and the under in this game. I have a very similar um, thought process as well. I, in fact, I actually said 11-3 was in my head was going to be the final score of this one. You got Alec Woodall or Alex Woodall, the transfer from High Point University, coming in and helping out with Towson's faceoff duties, which should significantly help them, I believe. Um, this is Towson's first game. Again, we haven't seen much out of them to this date. Uh, but I do think after the first, what is it, uh, Mount St. Mary's only scored five goals in their first outing um this year and 18 to 5 to delaware to delaware right and so from that standpoint for me just not sure how they're going to figure it out against towson but i've got towson covering six goals and i have the under on 18 and a half as well number 19 ohio state has not played a game so far uh goes to or have they did they play no they played they they beat Furman 12 six that's right that's right week one that's right um and so we got Ohio State, number 19, Ohio State, at home against UMass. UMass struggled in their opener, uh, favored by five goals. Over under here is 22. AT, what do you have? You know, I, 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 I see these two teams, and clearly Ohio State has been on the upswing the last three, four years, and UMass has been on the downswing. Um, you know, Ohio State is not a team, in my opinion, that's a threat to score a ton of goals. I don't think of them as a, as a goal-scoring team. I think they're going to win the face-offs. Um, and, and I'm inclined to take UMass in this game. But then you factor in that, you know, they only put up two goals against Army last week. And I, and I, just, don't, I just don't see them being able to, you know, are they going to score five goals against Ohio State? And, and can their defense hold Ohio State to ten? I, I think Ohio scores. Score, I think Ohio State scores ten goals. I think they win the faceoffs. I'm I'm not sure that UMass is 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 going to be able to hang here, and they're going to Ohio State. I, you know, five goals is a lot for Ohio State to cover against a well coached team. Greg Canella, in my opinion, is a very very good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm concerned about their lack of offensive production in week one. They're going to have to prove it to me first. So I am going to take Ohio State. I'm going to lay five to UMass. But I'm also going to take the under in this game because I don't think UMass is going to do their part. I, I don't think so either, AT. I, two goals against Army. Now, to get, let's give Army credit. Army's defense, they play like 1985 defense. They get out all over the field. I remember we played Army when I was coaching at Michigan in the Sun Bowl down there in Miami, and we had one goal, and they had 14 or 15. Garrett Thule had nine of them. Um, And we just couldn't couldn't run by any of their guys. And it's really, really cool to see that a service academy use their athletes in the way that Coach uh, Alberici does in the way he plays defense. So 
I think the 9-2 score is a little skewed. I think to play a team like Army early in the season puts a shock on any offense and any offensive coordinator. Um, and five goals to Ohio State. I'm going to take Massachusetts here plus five. Um, but I am going to take the under as well, AT. I think 22 is a little high for both teams. I think that I could see like a 8-10 game. Somewhere around there, maybe even like nine twelve, uh, which puts us total at twenty one or ten eight or twelve nine, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all right. We can do it. It's all right. I, I, Everybody does it different, right? Yeah. Your approach. I'm the right? I'm the I'm the backwards guy. I think numbers backwards, but um, you know, I got Massachusetts plus five here. I don't think it's enough. I do have Ohio State winning uh, and winning comfortably too. I don't think this is going to be a close game, with the exception of the, maybe the first few minutes. But I think Ohio State gets in. I think Mass UMass makes a run, you know, close to the end. Uh, but I think they end up covering five, and they're still under twenty-two. Arguably, game of the week, and we got to figure out what that game of the week is. At and but this could be the game of the week. Johns Hopkins at number five in the country, uh, at home on Homewood Field, goes up against number nine Loyola. Uh, the spread of the game is one and a half, and the over-under here is 25 and a half goals. Uh, the game of the week, it would be interesting. It's probably this game. You could you could argue Denver-Duke out in Denver, but that. I'm not sure. Um, but again, Loyola is a part of another big game early in their season. AT, what do you think here? This is interesting. It, if, if I hadn't watched JHU play Navy and seen just how dynamic their first five or six offensive players are, I would think right off the bat that there's no way they would get to 25 and a half goals. That's number one. Um, but I'm really, really impressed with Johns Hopkins offense. I'm impressed with Jerry Logan. Um, I think that Graham Savio is going to win the faceoffs for Loyola in this game. I think Pat Spencer is going to play a great game. I think he's going to come back and play to the tune of his usual, you know, six points a game here. I think it's going to be a game that goes back and forth. Um, and I think Hopkins wins the goal, wins the game. But I think that they win. I, I think they win like 14 13. So, again, wow. I like these guys at LVL that just nailing this. It's making me super uncomfortable with Hopkins laying one and a half. You know, I, I can see Hopkins up by a goal late in the half or late in the game. And then Loyola overextends to get the ball back and they throw in an empty netter for a two goal cover. So, I'm going to take, I'm going to take JHU and I'm going to take the over in this game. I'm going to definitely take the over. That's that's a given. And I know you said don't go backwards, but I'm going backwards in this one. I think 25 and a half. I, I can see another 30-goal game. Um, yeah. And I think with both of these offenses, like you already mentioned, huge. Um, they got guys that can put the ball in the cage. I feel bad for both goalies. Hopkins showed a lot of depth in their first game against Navy. And there are two ways, there are two schools of thoughts in my mind. One, big depth will help you later on in the season. Great. That's awesome. Or big depth shows you that you don't necessarily trust everyone in the offense or who you're going to go down to to get consistent runs at the end of the game, if that makes sense, AT. Um, and yeah. 
I think consistency is a big deal uh, when you're trying to find cohesiveness. And I still think Johns Hopkins is trying to figure it out. And for that reason, I feel like Loyola has figured out their consistency. They just need to play better. That's all. And they need Pat Spencer on board. They need they need a goalie that's going to make some saves. That's what they need. That's why they lost to Virginia. A hundred percent too. So you that, know that and they that and they shot a very low percentage. They they left a lot of goals on the field against Virginia. Pat Spencer in particular. But if you're going to say at that Pat Spencer is coming back into form, then I'm going with Loyola plus one okay. and a half. And because if Pat Spencer does come back to form, then you've got your three and three. And Loyola wins that game at UVA. And to be honest, I feel like a similar game ends up happening against Johns Hopkins and you got Loyola beating Johns Hopkins. And I feel like the depth that everyone's been talking about for Johns Hopkins works not in their favor in this one. And the experience of Loyola after a great game against UVA figures out the deficiencies, capitalizes on it, but you're still going to end up with a 30-goal game. I've got Loyola plus one and a half here. Next up, our... Coach of the week, or my coach of the week, number 16, Richmond, Dan Shimati's crew, uh, at home against UMBC uh, and Ryan Moran's crew. Richmond is favored by five and a half, and the over-under here is 20 and a half. AT, what are your thoughts here? Uh, my thoughts are that Richmond, uh, Richmond's a defensive team first. Even though they scored 15 goals against Fairfield, I, I – I, the fact that they held them to three blows me away. And UMBC has had two really tough first two games in North Carolina and Hopkins. And they've scored, whatever, six goals and five goals in each of those games or, right. or something like that. I, I don't think that they're going to have it much easier on offense facing the Richmond defense than they had the first two games against Carolina and Hopkins and Richmond's team defense may be even better than both of theirs, even though the individual parts may not be as celebrated. Fair. Um, so I think UMBC is really going to struggle to score goals. They're playing at Richmond. You know, I can see Richmond scoring 13 goals, but I can see him holding them down to four or fives. I, I can see another, you know, 12, five, 13, five, something like that. So I've got Richmond and I've got the under in this game. I have almost exactly the same thing, A.T. Teddy Hatfield, Ryan Lee, Adrian Nash leading the way for Richmond in their program. I mean, that's exciting stuff for these guys. Um, it seems like Richmond's got it all dialed on in all cylinders for a team that's coming in still trying to figure themselves out in UMBC uh, with a freshman faceoff guy. Um, you know, Lots of moving parts, but I do expect UMBC to be a lot better mid-season form than they are in the early season for the exact same reasons that you mentioned, going against um, the dentist office, right? And the first two <laughs> games of the season, it's it's not comfortable at all. And so, um, you know, with Richmond, now they're playing their third-ranked opponent uh, in three straight games. I've got Richmond covering five and a half here, and I do also have the under. I don't think that Richmond scores as many goals as they did against Fairfield. I think uh, UMBC's defense will do a little bit better job in terms of that, but I do have a six-goal cover here, Um, so I'm taking Richmond. The next game up, Virginia in Charlottesville. Number seven, Virginia moving up heavily in the ranks. I think they went from 14 to seven real quick, which is deserved. Um, Favored by five and a half against Drexel in Coach Volker's crew. 25 is the over under here, which is interesting. AT, what are your thoughts? 
So Virginia's land five and a half, right? Yes, correct. They're favored five and a half. Yep. You know, you, you look at what Virginia did last week against Loyola, throwing up 16 goals against, you know, a team that where they lost, it seemed like, you know, 70% of the faceoffs. I don't think the numbers ended up shaking out that poorly for UVA, although if you watch the game, you can see that Graham Savio absolutely controlled the middle of the field. Coach Cottle, who was calling the game, you know, noticed that when Loyola won the faceoffs, Graham Savio won it to himself, and Virginia won the faceoffs. It was a scrap, right? Yep. And so for a team that lost a vast majority of the faceoffs to still put up 16 goals is, you know, a prelude to this team gaining a ton of offensive momentum. And when they do win the faceoffs, this is going to be a team that's going to be scoring 20 goals. It just is. They've got, you know, a great style of play that Lars seems to have seamlessly brought to Charlottesville from Brown. They've got dynamic players all over the field. And I think they win the faceoffs in this game. And while Volks is one of the best coaches out there, I, I think he's going to have a tough time holding Virginia down if they're losing the face-offs. And so I've got Virginia covering five and a half here. And I also like the over. Uh, I, I can see something like, you know, 19 to 10, something like that uh, with the Virginia victory. So I got Virginia in the over. I have Virginia covering five and a half. I have the under in this one. Okay. I think Virginia's defense shows up heavily in this. I don't think Drexel scores a lot of goals, and I know they have the capability of doing it, but I just don't think so. I think it's going to be very, very lopsided in this one. Drexel in the past has taken advantage of an early Virginia team. Uh, in fact, I believe they beat them one time uh, in their head-to-head going down there in Virginia. Uh, for this tilt, I just don't see – this is a new Virginia team. And I just don't see Drexel putting up as nearly as many goals with the exact same reason, controlling. Look, if Virginia can't win the technique at the faceoff, they're athletically going to get to those. So if you took out all the Graham Savio's clean wins, now you're talking about you know, 40%. That means 40%, those were 50-50 ground balls. That means they're right. probably winning 70% of 50-50 ground balls. You're, like, you're right. That's you're Im- absolutely right. That's impressive. It and is. And, it's scary. And, and that, that is Lars Tiffany. That's Lars Tiffany to a T. That's Alec Tullett and Lark, Larkin Kemp on the wings gooning it up. If, if you know, what's his name in the middle didn't end up winning it clean, that's impressive. And I think that Drexel is going to run into that buzzsaw. Um, and I don't think that they get more than six goals in the game. And I think Virginia ends up with 15, 16, which puts them under that 25 number. That's what I got. I got a blowout. I got Virginia plus six uh, or at least plus five and a half. Or excuse me, minus five and a half. And then yep. I have the uh, the under here. Number three, Carolina at home against Lehigh. We've seen this game play out a number of times. Only one of them I've seen Lehigh win. In this one, Lax Vegas Lines has the line at six. Carolina, obviously the favorite. And the over-under here at 20 and a half which is also interesting. A.T., what do you think here? You know, Carolina putting up just seven goals against Furman on Saturday is something that is hard to figure out for me. Right. I was watching that game, and it just seemed like Carolina had opportunities in transition that they didn't just jam down Furman's throat. And and I'm wondering why that is. Um, You know, 
for them to put up just seven goals really shocks me, especially after Vermont put up a lot more than that. You know, how, how does Carolina choose to play this game? I do not think Lehigh has a lot of personnel that has a lot of experience. You know, they, they played Jacksonville, they won 13, 12 and, you know, they put up 13 goals, but they let up 12 goals to Jacksonville. I got to believe that Carolina is going to win all the faceoffs with Stephen Kelly. And they're going defense. And I think that Carolina continues to hold to put up seven goals, but they held Furman to what? Two goals or three goals, whatever it was. I think it was seven to two. Does that sound right? Um, and, and as I said, all year long, all year long, three weeks, <laughs> that this is that this is the year that Carolina wins games with their defense. And I don't mean that as a knock on their offense. I simply mean that due to their personnel, um, you know, and, and I, I think that this is, this is a, a team that's going to be known that we're going to talk about their defense at the end of the year. So I see them holding Lehigh down. Under five goals, you know, 14, 15 goals. And the over here. So uh, I'm going to uh, take Carolina. And I'm going to take Carolina plus six. But I have very much the same thing as I had in the Virginia Drexel game. I have a Carolina team that does come out and pushes those transition opportunities. It jumps ahead against a team like Lehigh because unlike Furman, I felt like maybe they played the way they did because they felt like at any time they could get back in and play the way they want to. But they want to get experience in developing all areas of the game. It seems like Will Perry and Justin Anderson are two freshmen that are killing it early in their careers and they're getting great experience. I don't see a Lehigh team that can help them uh, or, or, or stop them, excuse me. Um, and you're going to get a Carolina team that's going to put up a lot of goals. And I've got the over, I've got Carolina plus six. We're going to take a quick commercial break here. We're going to come back and we're going to do the rest of our picks. You've got, got Carolina in the over, right? Correct. Got it. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. All right, we're back. We're going to finish this up. Um, we've got Maryland at home against High Point. High Point coming off a big victory against Georgetown. Maryland favored by six goals. The over-under here is 22, playing in what I'm assuming is going to be Bird Stadium. Number two, Maryland. What do you think here? You know, Maryland is obviously a very, very scary team. Um. They got a great face-off group. They've got 
arguably the best attack in the country. Um, you know, but, but six goals against high point, I mean, high point lost some players from last year. Maryland lost some players. They lost their goalie from last year. Maryland comes a pet high point comes off a great win against Georgetown, a nine, three win, great win for Torp. They beat Virginia last year. Um, they beat Georgetown this year. They were playing Maryland very, very tough last year. It was a, I want to say they were up by, you know, three goals going into halftime, something like that. They get a, you know, an illegal stick penalty and that allows Maryland to get back in the game. And ultimately they pull away. I just think Torp is too good of a defensive coach and Pat's too smart of an offensive coach and will be able to control the tempo in this game. I'm concerned about high point getting crushed at the faceoff X. Um, and if they get crushed on the faceoff X and they're playing defense all game long, you know, I know Tim Troutner is an awesome goalie and is going to step up and play huge, but, but can he face an offense that is going to wear any goalie down? Um, I, listen, I, I think High Point is going – I'd love to see High Point win the game, first of all. I'd love to see him win the game. But I think that they're going to lose too many face-offs having lost, you know, James Peluso from last year. Alex Woodall transferred to Towson, and I just don't think they're going to be able to compete in that area of the game. But I think that Torp is too good of a coach, and these kids play too hard. Troutner is too good. I like High Point to cover six goals here. I think that they play the game closer than that. And I also think that due to the pace of play, that High Point is going to um, create when they have the ball offensively. I don't think Maryland comes out and pressures them. I think that they shrink the total number of possessions of the game. So I like high point and the under here. I like Maryland and I like the, Ooh, I won't get there yet. Let me think of this, but I'm telling you right now, this Maryland team is a much different team than what everyone is used to seeing Maryland play at. They are a faster-paced team. They're playing with a lot more confidence on the offensive end. Matt Rambo has averaged almost seven points a game in his first two outings. Um, and I can tell you this, any opportunity he gets early in every possession, he's going to take. And I and everyone in the country should be very, very excited about this. Because Matt Rambo is a senior. He's on the way out. And I'm going to tell you that he's been locked in a cage right up until the tournament of last year. That's pretty much when I feel like Tillman just kind of let him go. And everyone should be jacked about that because he's letting him go from day one right now. And it's a fast-paced Maryland team. This It's not the same anymore. And so no matter what High Point wants to do, it's going to end up being a six-goal spread. Um, and no matter how much that high point throws his own man zone, they'll mix it up on the defensive end. You have to find Matt Rambo. You have to find Colin Heacock. You've had to find Dylan Maltz. You have to find the freshman, Jake Bernhardt. I mean, uh, Jared Bernhardt, excuse me. Yeah, um, he's, such a stud. he's such a stud. And then you have to find Connor Kelly. I mean, you have to find these guys because any one of them can put it in, but every time it's going to be fed or goal scored by Rambo, and it's awesome. And so uh, from that standpoint, I just don't think there's enough that High Point can do, especially when you're going to lose as many faceless as they're probably going to lose. I've got Maryland covering six. And in terms of the over-under, 
I'm going to have like Maryland scoring 15, 14 goals and high point scoring eight. 23, I got the over. Okay. Uh, next up, you got Notre Dame going to D. Oh, excuse me. It's a Georgetown home game against Notre Dame, but this one is being played down in Texas. Notre Dame, number four, coming in, going into the first game of the season, first debut. We get to see the Irish play. Second time we get to see Georgetown play with Kevin Warren on the sidelines. And we in this game, Lax Vegas Lions has Notre Dame favored by five goals. That's probably aggressive given that the scenario that not a lot of people knew about going into the high point game, but five goals nonetheless. In Texas, uh, the over-under here is 22 goals. AT, what do you think here? You know, this... I, th- I think when you when you look at just the talent between the two rosters, it would it would seem like it's a pretty close game. And, and Georgetown, the last couple of years, has played Notre Dame pretty well. Uh, and there's no question that having Kevin Warren back on the sidelines for Georgetown is going to have uh, a big time positive impact on this Georgetown team, and we're going to see a better performance out of them. Unfortunately for them, (laughs) they got to go against what I think is the best defensive mind in the college game right now. And Jerry Byrne. Yes. And what they do is they just hold teams down. Yeah. You know, and and for a team that scored three goals against high point uh, to have to go against a team that has better personnel and is not going to look past anybody, Georgetown's going to have a really, really tough time scoring five goals. They, they just are. Notre Dame, I, I don't love their offense. Uh, they got some dynamic players that score some jaw-dropping goals in Ryder Garnsey and Sergio Perkovic. But they don't shoot well, or they haven't in years past. And I don't see them scoring, you know, uh, uh, 20 goals. They're just not that kind of team. Um, you know, part of their defense is that they have a very patient offense. And in that respect, I, I, I do like their offense because it supports their defensive scheme well in that way. But I just, I just don't see Georgetown scoring goals, you know. And, and if Georgetown scores four or five goals, Notre Dame's going to score 10 goals. They are, right? Mm-hmm. So I see like a 12 to 4 win for Notre Dame. I got Notre Dame in the under. I have almost the exact same thing. Uh, I just think that if you have a Georgetown that's, team that's trying to get their feet wet on the offensive end, it's going to be awfully difficult to do so against a Notre Dame defense that's traditionally been very strong. Now, we have seen Notre Dame teams in the past forego defense and do the run and gun. Um, and the only way to do that is for Georgetown to control the faceoff X, push the tempo of the game, get aggressive on the defensive end, force Notre Dame into either going to the rack right away or, you know, getting in transition. Because once, once you're settled in on 606 defense against Notre Dame, it's very tough. And so the, a lot of people are starting to, or a lot of teams are starting to take advantage of the transition aspect against Notre Dame because they're exposed, just like any team in the country. Yeah. And if you can get your opportunities early against Notre Dame, you're going to have success. 
Um, and so if I'm Georgetown, that's what I'm going to try to do. But you can't do it if you can't win faceoffs. And the situation of faceoffs acts as the big question. Notre Dame still got a lot of pieces in play. I got Notre Dame minus five, and I've got the under as well. If Georgetown gets to six, I say what? Notre Dame has, I don't know, 12. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going to cover. If anything, Georgetown gets the backdoor cover, which I'm happy to take a loss on because in the end, five goals was probably uh, the right play here. But that's what I've got. Notre Dame minus five, 22. I've got the under. Air Force goes to Poughkeepsie and plays Marist. Now, this, I feel like, is the biggest trap game on the slate so far. <laughs> and uh, number 14, Air Force getting a big push because they beat Duke. They're favored by two, so obviously uh, Lax Vegas Lions thinks it's probably a trap game too um, against Marist. The overrun here is 20 and a half. What do you think here? I, I agree with you. I think this is the biggest trap game. And this is – I hate saying this because I love Saramet. And they're coming off a great win two weeks ago. Against no, you're Duke. not going to do it. You're going to pick Maris, you prick. And, <laughs> you know, they go to Denver. And I, I, I picked Air Force last week against Denver. I didn't think they would win outright, but I thought they would keep it close. And they got their you doors know, blown off. You did mention that they had the, a very good possibility of winning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but Air Force has to go to Marist. Marist seems like they win these games. Um you know, they they had a good win against Colgate. They've got good offensive personnel. I think the travel for Air Force coming back east to play a team that they're not looking at as, okay, boys, you know, let's go pound these guys like they're thinking when they get off the plane in Raleigh-Durham to play Duke or they're driving down the interstate to go play Denver. I, I just think they don't show adequate respect for a team that, Let's face it, is is a scary team that 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 comes to play. You know, Keegan Wilkinson does an awesome job. He really does. Um, so I am doing it. And I am gonna take Marist and I'm gonna take the under in this game. I don't think that Air Force's stud freshman goalie plays great in this game. It's just kind of a weird environment over there. I think that they, I think that, uh, I, I see Marist winning the game like, you know, 10 6 and everybody going, oh, ugh. You know, we beat Duke and we obviously lose Derry, but we beat Duke and we lose to Marist, WTF. I just, I see this as a trap game. And unfortunately, uh, for, for Semi, I see these guys losing. I see, I got Marist in the under. See, you kind of set me free a little bit. I was definitely going Marist in this one. This is like a trap game city. Um, but now that you went there, I'm actually going to take Air Force in this. A lot of people don't understand that sometimes, and I don't know which games that Air Force is able to do this in, and I know Coach Saramet was talking about the athletic department maybe doing it a lot more, but they send the team in cargo jets. Better than cargo shorts. Yeah, that's true. But if you've ever seen these cargo jets, or I don't even know if you call them jets, planes, cargo planes, the guys literally roll out mattresses and they're there wherever they want to be within like three hours, anywhere in the country. And um, it's the most comfortable environment. They get a direct flight. They get right off. It's literally like taking a three-hour bus ride. In fact, more comfortable. And if Air Force is 
is able to do that consistently throughout the year for their away games. Um, I think that minimizes the impact on travel. But we also talked about how the fact that Air Force and Marquette are two of the biggest road warriors in the country. Um, <clears throat> and I think that no matter what, you're just talking about two scrappy teams that are going to go at it. Uh, Marist uh, takes after their head coach and Keegan Wilkinson. Look, he knows I'm not insulting him when I say this, but he's a jerk. And, he, and his team, and his team it's, it's embodies that. It is a compliment. And he, his, puts a, he has a chip on his shoulder, and they have a chip on his shoulder. A jerk is the best way to describe Keegan yep. in terms of everyday competition. He's a jerk. And, and, and his team embodies it. And they're a bunch of jerks on the field. And I love yeah, that. I agree. I agree. And, and Air Force going in, it's going to be a bar fight. Uh, it's going to be a great one. you got two great teams going at it. Um, two teams always earning it. And yep, so from right. that standpoint, I'm just going to take the team that's already has a little bit more swagger in them in Air Force, and I'm going to take the over. I actually do think that this, this game is going to end up being like a, you know, a 13-11, 14-11 kind of game, um, which puts you know Air Force over that two-goal threshold. So uh, I've got Air Force minus two, and I've got the over on 20 and a half. Next up, Rutgers at home uh, in a pick against Army. The over-under here is 21 and a half, and this is going to be a great game. This could be the game of the week, AT. I, 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 this could be it. It could be. This is a really, really good game. Um, and this is going to be uh, – I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I know I like Army's D. I, I like Army's team, and I like how Joe Alberici has his guys ready to play. That they got a great face-off group. They got a dynamic offense, underrated stars on the offensive end, and a defense that holds you down. With that said, Brian Brecht likes to play fast, and Brian Brecht, you know, uh, has this team hitting on all cylinders and on the rise. I think it's going to be a bloodbath, but I have Army winning this game about 16 14 so i got army in the over wow um so here's the deal it's either neither team scores a lot of goals or both teams score a ton of goals that's how i feel uh, right uh with army's defense um it really depends on the face-off x and who's going to control that 10 10 God, this is a really tough one. This is not easy. I'm going to take Rutgers. I'm going to take Rutgers. Uh, obviously, the, the the spread and the money line are the exact same. It seems as though, looking at this, the money line is a little bit greater than Army's money line, so they favor Rutgers slightly in this one. Um, so I'm going to take Rutgers, and I'm going to take the over as well. This is going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it two is. teams battling it out, and I, I'll consider this game of the week. And I know Hopkins Loyola is going to be a great game too, and it's down at Homewood. Um, but this Rutgers game, um, at what is it called? The Cresianic field or whatever it is over at, uh, Rutgers. It's uh, a great little facility they have there in, yeah, um, I should, I should know when I don't, uh, it bothers me that it, I've we played there a couple times and it's a weird, like KZ type name, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I got Rutgers in this pick and I've got the over as well. Number one, Denver at home in the dentist office against number 15, Duke. All those freshmen traveling to the dentist office all together at the first time. They're favored by four, which I think is probably a fairly appropriate line against number 15, Duke. The over-under here is 22. What do you got, AD? 
this is going to be a tough game for Duke. Um, <laughs> I just the, the, what really what I'm most anxious to see is the battle at the faceoff X between Trevor Baptiste and Kyle Rowe. It's a good call. Um, it's it's just going to be you know what, what I'm going to see what we're going to see I think is is you know Trevor Baptiste wins four, Kyle Rowe wins five in a row. It's going to be it's going to be clumps of wins in a row. I just think you're going to Denver. Duke doesn't know who they are offensively yet. Um, they, I don't think have, well, I don't, I don't know if anybody has the defensive personnel to hang with Connor Carazano, Connor Canizero and his crew. I think at the end of the day, Baptiste ends up getting the better of Kyle Rowe. And I just see Denver. I don't, I don't see Duke being able to stop Denver. I see Denver being able to stop Duke more often. Um, and while it looks like a good game on paper, you know, I can see Duke winning this game. I'm sorry. I can see Denver winning this game like 16 to eight. So I'm going to take Denver and the over in this game. I'm going to do the exact same. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I see the same result. However, I don't think it's going to be clumps. Uh, in terms of the face-off facts. I do think that Trevor Baptiste is going to get the edge on Kyle Rowe, and I'd be thrilled for me to be proven wrong um, because I'd love to see a 50-50 game at the face-off facts. Um, Connor Canizero and Ethan Walker. The kid Ethan Walker, freshman, uh, this kid is a freak of nature. Uh, in fact, he reminds me a lot of Westberg and what he brought to the table in his four years at Denver. Um, and Ethan Walker is the next big thing. By the way, he's also wearing my football number 57, which is also cool. It seems like Denver is going to have to start making numbers for all the Canucks that they bring in with high numbers. Um, it, I think the guys at Duke actually have – the defenders have very high numbers as well. So it will be like 50, 57 versus number 88 on the – uh, Denver offensive end, um, but I I don't think that this is a first. This is a Duke team that doesn't know much about themselves offensively or defensively. The only secure thing that Duke definitely knows about themselves is that they can win faceoffs, um, and they're not really yeah. even sure about what's happening in the cage. And that's not all of um, Fowler's fault. Um, in a large part of the shots he's seeing on a consistent basis. But Denver is going to continue to generate the shots that they always do. As Bill Tierney always states, don't quit playing offense, which is one of my favorite lines. Um, and they don't. And they don't quit playing offense to throw a shot on cage that they don't like or that somebody feels like they have to generate. They just continue to wear you down on the offensive end, and I like that. I do see this game being somewhere like a 15-8, 15-9, 15-even-10 type game. Uh, so I've got Denver, minus four. I've got the over. We've got three games left on the slate. Number six, Syracuse, in the Dome against Albany, in which is usually a very uh, touted game. Uh, Albany having their still studs, but definitely not the Thompsons. Syracuse favored by four and a half. And the over-under here is a very high, 25 and a half goals. What do you think, Kerry T? I think Ben Williams is going to win every single face-off, and Albany's going to have a really tough time stopping Syracuse. That's what I think. Um, four and a half goals is not enough. You know, I, I see 16 to seven, something like that. I just think that... 
Syracuse, you know, while they have some new faces, they always have a ton of studs. I don't think they're going to have to play that much defense. Albany loses Blaze Reardon goal, who was a stud. Freak. Uh, yeah, I, and and you know, is the guy filling in for him? I don't even know who it is. Is he going to be as good? Probably not. You know, probably not, <laughs> unless Jack Kelly's there. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and we know he's not. So this is this is an easy pick for me. I got Syracuse. And I got the under simply because I don't think that Albany is going to reach 10 goals. I don't think they're going to have the ball. Right. Um, you know, the question is whether or not Syracuse scores 17 or 18 goals and Albany scores, you know, 10. Does that happen? I, I don't think Albany does their part. I think Syracuse does. I still, I'm going to go Syracuse in the under. That's the exact question I had, AT. Does Albany put up 10, 11 goals to Syracuse, 17, 16? Does Syracuse even get to 16, 17, and 18 against, you know, say say what I would think, a seven, eight, nine goal game for Albany. Look, Ben Williams is going to dominate the faceoff X. Albany, let's put it this way. Albany didn't cover, what was it, four and a half goals when the Thompsons were there. Right. Never mind when they weren't there. And this is too early for an Albany team. Later on in the season, we would have a bigger debate on a game like this. But Syracuse is absolutely taking four and a half. And I've got the under as well. I don't think that Albany is going to put up enough goals to push this to an over here. So Syracuse minus four and a half, and I've got the over. Number 17, Navy, goes against Delaware in Newark, Delaware. Yes, right? It's Newark, New Jersey. Yep. It's Newark, Delaware. Delaware. And uh, I caught myself there. Uh, the over-under here is 23. I like that it's a high over-under. But go ahead, AT. What do you got here? I think Navy gets their first one of the season here. Um, you know, they had two brutal games playing Hopkins and Maryland. Um, but they've shown that they can put up some goals. Their offense is, is impressive. To score 12 goals against Maryland, you know, is, is not an easy task. And, you know, they didn't score as many against Hopkins. Um, you know, clearly Brady Dove is the MVP of this team so far. For him to do yes. what he's done to Craig Mataraz at Hopkins in the first game at the X, I called Austin Henningsen beating up Brady Dove in past this past Saturday's game in the Maryland Navy yes, game, and Brady Dove crushed it, destroyed him. So I think Brady Dove's going to win the faceoffs here, and I think Delaware is going to struggle with Navy's offense that seems to be getting better. Um. But I think that Delaware is also a team that can score some goals. Navy's got a great defensive team, but I just feel that I just feel that Brady Dove's going to control the axe. Delaware's going to struggle too much to stop Navy. They're going to score some goals themselves, but I don't think that they score enough. Uh, so I've got Navy, and I've got the over. I can see it being about 15-11 Navy. That's what I think it'll be. So it's interesting. You say this is going to be Navy's first one of the season. I'm going to take Delaware here. And I've got a two-goal cushion to take Delaware in this. And it's not because of Navy. It has nothing to do with Navy. I think Navy is a very tough opponent. But I, I really do think that Delaware, for whatever reason, has turned the corner. There's a lot of positive 
going around Delaware. And I know they lost a really tough one to a good Bucknell team. I just feel like, and, and you could argue that because Delaware was in finals time or whatever, J-term, um, and they were finishing up J-term there, and that's what led to a, an epic collapse, to be honest, against Bucknell late in that game earlier this year, that I feel like you know Delaware's turning the corner here. And again, we talked about it a lot too, with Schilling Law being in his last year. The kids have a lot to play for. They were all brought in there by um, Bob Schilling Law. And this is, it would be. I think their parents were, their parents were all brought in there (laughs) by Bob Schillinglaw. That is true. That is true. I mean, my kid's 11. I was recruited by Schillinglaw. He was already in the sport 20 years prior to that. So, uh, and not to say that I started late having children, Uh, but um, yes, (laughs) Delaware, I think there's an interesting buzz going around Delaware and I see them a very big foe to Towson in the CAA. So I'm going to take Delaware on the points, plus two, and I'm going to get the over on this one. With Navy putting up consistent double-digit numbers and then Delaware putting up consistent double-digit numbers, I see this being a 13-12 type of game, which puts them Mm -hmm. around 25 goals, and that's the one-goal cushion that I think this game. Last one, your alma mater, Brown, number 10 Brown. At home in Providence against Quinnipiac, favored five and a half goals. Now, if this was Lars Tiffany's Brown, this would be a 12 and a half goal spread. But I think, I feel like Las Vegas Lions is a little nervous about the new Brown Bears. And only putting a five and a half goal line is a little, little weird. Uh, but 23 and a half is the spread as well. I think Brown has put up 20 plus goals on Quinnipiac over the last decade. <laughs> what do you think? Seemingly. <laughs> they lost. They lost about three years ago to them once. Um, uh, yeah, I don't get this. This is this to me is Lax Vegas lines worst line by far. The Andy Towers at Lacrosse Draws lack of the year. <laughs> lack of the year <laughs> is Brown laying five and a half to Quinnipiac. The question is: Is that? For the quarter, the first <laughs> quarter, or is that for the game? You per know, quarter, maybe, per maybe quarter. Contact those guys and see if it really was supposed to be <laughs> laying fifteen and a half. Brown is going to score over twenty three goals in this game. Whoa, twenty three. Yep. Um, and they are going to hold Quinnipiac down. They're going to call off the dogs to make sure they don't get to 30. <laughs> right? Bill Tierney's going to be very upset. He is. Bill Tierney, yeah, he's going to be upset by this. But <laughs> that's all right, Bill. You got six or seven rings. So pull your jets up. He's there, got bro. seven plus. There was a few. He's he won as plus. an assist. He's going to finish with 10 or 12, <laughs> right? And he's gonna, then he's going to come when he's all said and done. He's going to come back and coach the Knicks and take over for Pat. You know, for, for Bill Jackson, and then they're gonna they're gonna win a national NBA championship, and he's gonna have twelve NCAA lacrosse championship rings, and he's gonna allow the Knicks to win the NBA World Championship for the first time. Bill Belichick's going to give him. the He's role. gonna have Bill Belichick as his assistant coach. <laughs> the Knicks. Um, so this is a no brainer. You know, the only place where Quinnipiac is going to be able to compete in this game is going to be at the face-off X, and I still think my boy Ted Ottens is going to beat them up there. So I've got Brown in the over. I thought you were going to say the bar. Um, But uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I have Brown in minus five and a half. I think it's going to be a slaughterhouse. couple things I want to mention. First off, I was able to see Mike Daly speak at the U.S. Uh, lacrosse convention. He mentioned probably one of the greatest lines in the convention, which is, I don't think today's kids are soft. I think the parents are. And I think that was huge. That was a, that was a big time observation. Right. And I liked it. Uh, secondly, Charlie Moore, you out there. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Softest of the soft, right? The platform. Uh, it's a nice platform to be on. <laughs> yeah. But here's my biggest concern for Brown. And it has nothing to do with this game or my prediction. Is that Mike Daly came out and told via Chris uh, J- Jasserbanski. He's got that long name. I apologize. I definitely ruined your name. CJ. Um, CJ. CJ. <laughs> He's, uh, he works for College Cross. And he said that Brown is going to play faster than they did last year. I believe it. The thing about that is I believe that Brown would love to have played faster last year. The problem is when you play fast, the result is more turnovers. Now, my concern with Brown, and this, again, has nothing to do with Kunipiak. They probably will score 20-plus, which, by the way, I'm going to take the over simply on Brown itself, covering the over. Um, But my biggest concern for Brown is if you play fast – and you're going to play faster than Brown. You're going to learn really fast that you turn the ball over. And I felt like Lars last year, over the three years he was there with Sean Kerwin as an assistant coach, found the perfect balance between fast and reckless. And if Mike Daly thinks he can come in and play fast-er and unreckless, well, then he should have been coaching D1 lacrosse a long time ago. But I think he's going to find out very fast that it's not going to be the case. He's going to learn a false confidence against Quinnipiac. He can play as fast as he wants. Um, so that's what I have. That's the only concern I have is playing too fast versus playing too reckless. And if Mike Daly thinks he can come into Tufts or come into Brown and, and play like Tufts as, as, as fast as he wants to, well, we're going to find out fast if that's going to be the case. That's all we have. Oh, no. So what, you want Brown, Brown and the over or Brown and the under? I have Brown minus five and a half and I have the over for sure. 